Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Welcome to yet another lovely episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe. With me is Liam. Hello, Hello. Liam. Hi, Joe. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I am actually pretty good. Um, I felt like shit this morning when I woke up. I kind of thought I may have caught COVID, uh, but I didn't. I feel a lot better now. Granted, I am vaccinated, so like I'm not too worried about it. Not that it matters. <laughs> um, I mean, it matters. We know it matters. It's just to prevent you from dying. It's not right, really to prevent right. COVID. That, that's that's what I was worried about is the dying part. Uh, <laughs> but Can you imagine making it this far and COVID takes you out. That, that's exactly what would happen. That would suck for you. It would just be me and I guess the ghost of Nick. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll make a soundboard on my deathbed. Um, and uh, so like what really I don't like brag often or ever. In fact, I normally insult myself, but this morning I, I woke up, or at least it's morning here, and I found that my book, Hooligans of Kandahar, was included in the Task and Purpose article Did for see Best that. Military Books. Um, so that's cool. Uh, and that book came out years ago. I'm really endlessly happy that people still find my misery so entertaining. <laughs> um, but, you know, <sighs> Liam, we're doing something new today. Um, what are we doing, Joe? We are talking about the Balkans. <laughs> oh, I, oh dear. I'm. I apologize. Are, are we to, sure we want to do this? Yeah, you know, I feel like I've I've got an in with the Albanians, so I, I got the Balkans card. Um, Stop it! <laughs> now I uh, said you were from Albania by mistake one time. <laughs> <laughs> now uh th- th- there's a specific war it's not actually actually war more of a limited conflict if i was to put on my america hat uh is what we call it uh that we're gonna talk about kind of like the football war that we talked about in a bonus episode not that long ago subscribe to the patreon go subscribe to patreon i i am going to new orleans in january and i need you idiots to pay for it <laughs> so it's <laughs> so. a great sales line thank you liam you're um, welcome. I, I, I can hear the subscribe to the Patreon and I'll do dances for you. There you go. Uh, now, there's a reason why I bring up the football words because it has like a cutesy name like, ah, it's about soccer. It, it, it's not. It's a, an outburst of state violence with a little nickname. And a few decades later, you get like a thousand listicles that talk about how some idiots are fighting over war about soccer and not like years of geopolitical conflict. Right. Yeah, this um, happened to also sometimes there was soccer. Y- yes. Um, and this exact same thing leads us to today's topic. And it is known popularly as the War of the Stray Dog. Oh, have, no. you ever, have you ever heard of this? I have not. Um, it's a week-long event uh, in the Balkans between Bulgaria and Greece. 
Um, it's also sometimes known as the incident of Petrich. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to pronounce a lot of fucking words wrong. Uh, uh, so I'm sorry. Um, like honestly, like I, I'm not good with languages. I'm not good with my own languages. I I try Feel my that. best, but Feel also, that. also I know in the end, no matter how hard I try, I'll fail. Um, now, in order to lighten the mood, or also possibly dig this hole even deeper of how much hate we're going to get for this episode. Strap on our Balkans jammies, which are just NBCR suits. <laughs> <laughs> I um, found a great uh, Twitter account called Cursed Balkans YouTube Comments uh, that I absolutely love. Um, it is something I can get behind. I'm not uh, of Balkans descent or ethnicity myself, though I know some people confuse me for that. Um Hey. Not, not just Liam, uh, but a lot of people, time, honestly. <laughs> uh, but it's also a kind of like uh, visceral hatred that borders on the comical that I am used to as an Armenian. Uh, that you see uh, that it's just like it is just insane, batshit, crazy racism that uh, it's kind of like watching um, uh, uh, white boomers on Facebook try to dance around how they hate people so much. Mm-hmm. but at a near regional basis. Um, and I will make sure not to read off any of the particularly offensive ones. Cause there are some slurs in there that I'm not going to say. Yeah, we're but, a progressive podcast. Thank you. You also can look up the slurs on your own time. Yeah. You know, look up slurs on your own time or don't and be a better person for it. There's um, a whole Wikipedia article for it. I bet there is. Um, it literally is list of racial slurs. <laughs> now, the first cursed YouTube comment I found is from Merciless E. John Cena has says, I hate Serbia. This is because he is Albanian. <laughs> All right. <laughs> pa- Papa Francisco says he never said that to which uh, a name which I cannot pronounce says at Papa Frisco. He said that you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> I, I just love it so much. Um, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll try to read those off as we go. Um, there's nothing particularly gruesome in this episode. Um, wow! Um, because like, are it, we I mean, learning? No, not at all. It's oh, just that they're the the horrible things that occur um, in this topic are more on the sideline, and there there'll be more episodes on those in the future, such as like, right, had, we'll get to the war crimes. Like I've had a lot of people say, I need to talk about the Yugoslavian wars, uh, Srebrenica, yeah, you name it. And like, yes, I will eventually, you know, in a long enough timeline, I will in fact talk about all of military history. If you keep <laughs> subscribing, um, now in regards to comments, uh, or, or complaints, uh, from our audience, I'm going to ask you to please direct all of those complaints to our, uh, to, uh, our, Lions led by donkeys, Balkan branch, human resource manager, Liam Anderson. Um, yeah, go for it. You <laughs> will handle all of <laughs> your complaints. Sells out. Um, People DM me and it just sits in the unread messages. For weeks. I get a lot of, <laughs> I get a lot of DMs and I feel bad because I, you know, I all click like the message request thing and just never respond to it. And then like people, you know, will donate to abortion funds or whatever. And I'll just be like, oh, this message is from six weeks ago. I I try to answer all my DMs. I really do, but I get a ton of them. Uh, so, like, if you've sent me a DM and I did not answer, I promise I'm not ignoring you. I'm just very bad at this. Right. 
Like most things that have to do with the Balkans prior to World War I, this story brings us back to our noted pod favorite, the Ottoman Empire. Uh, I, I feel like at this rate, they're more of a co-host than the CIA anymore. I'm going to have to fucking <laughs> equalize this. Um, I'm more comfortable sharing territory with the CIA, to be completely honest. Well, aren't you a CIA plant? That's what I always heard. Yes, uh, I have been accused of that via uh, exit surveys, which is interesting. I, I assumed being a CIA plant would pay more. Um, you thought, but, you know, government jobs. Yeah, am I right? Uh, I, I, maybe that means this podcast now has a pension. I don't know. I've, I'll have to talk to Ooh, my contacts in Langley. Yeah. Um, oh, oh no. Oh, God. I have Havana Syndrome. This podcast uh, must have. Somebody help him. Um, now, there's no goddamn way I can adequately cover the Balkan, uh, the Ottoman Balkan territories and, and, the, and their breakup in one episode, uh, unless I just leave a ton out and piss off a lot of people who I know this means a lot to. So this is my peace offering. I will eventually come back to this at a later date. I don't know when, uh, but I will. We will do right by you. We promise. Uh, now, in order to sign this peace deal, we will simply meet in Pristina, Kosovo, to sign this deal. And oh, oh, fuck, shit, I'm sorry. Oh, the gods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, with that, I did find another cursed YouTube comment I will read. Um, so tell me, do you believe the black man Martin Luther King was a Serb? Technically, yes. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I subscribe to the timeline now. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, I hope all of these aren't Serbian related, because, but fuck, this is good. Um, now, again, if you go back to our last episode um, or one of our last episodes, and we talked about the charge of the light brigade, um, we talked about the Eastern question and we talked about it a fair amount of length there. So I'm not going to talk about it again. Go back and listen to it. It's free. Go listen to our back episodes. Um, so but it is a little different flavor regarding the Balkans. Um, like every other place we've talked about regarding the Eastern question, the Balkans were generally, but not entirely, members of the Eastern Orthodox Church, leading to all kinds of fuckery happening to them. Um, eventually, right. these people got sick of living as second-class citizens around the same time as the concepts of nationalism began to take hold and build within them. Uh, now, this concept of independence rather than existence within the Ottoman Empire's framework uh, under a new form, whether it be a self-governing subject or something else, uh, was a debate pretty much every part of the empire had at some point. This is a debate that was very, very popular within Armenian circles as well. A lot of people grappled with this because they were part of this empire right. for hundreds of years. Sure. Uh, there, there was no living memory of independence for any of these places. Slowly, those debates were solved uh, for various reasons by the empire themselves for simply failing to act or not really doing much of anything to calm down these people who numbered in the tens of millions. Um, on top of failing to handle growing nationalism, the Ottomans also failed to reform themselves in any meaningful way that made any minority feel like the empire could work for them in any real capacity. Furthermore, the Ottomans just kept their sh getting their shit rocked in war, which is never good for an empire to, to try to hold together because, you know, makes you look weak. And, uh, you know, suddenly a v it's this, this, you know, uh, oppressive power suddenly looks really beatable. Um, it, the, the Russians went through the same thing, uh, especially after the Russo-Japanese War, where uh, revolutionaries suddenly like, Tsar looks like a bitch right about now. 
Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that guy doesn't look so tough. Yeah, this is something you really want to see if you happen to be, say, a Bosnian revolutionary or whatever, like the the Ottoman army getting its shit kicked in across Europe and the Middle East. Uh, and one kind of hilarious event that would turn into the Albanian revolts, of which there were a ton, um, the Ottomans committed an amazing self-own in the form of attempting to change the demographics of a country, only for it to blow up in their face. Um, which is Go like... On. This is really common when facing instability in one region uh, through empires, uh, time immoral, right? Like uh, immemorial, like the U.S. did this, the USR, USSR did this in Ukraine. Um, like when the indigenous population of, a, of, of an area was becoming in, uh, like uh, was fomenting revolt, becoming unstable or unstable, um, they would simply attempt to transplant a different population into it. Um, now in this case is an area populated by Christians. So the Ottomans had a tendency to either forcefully or through coercion to get poor Muslims from other parts of the empire to relocate there. Um, now the goal of course is to build a base of people that would then support the empire in these areas that were going through, um, you know, revolts or whatever. During the Bosnian crisis of 1908, this would lead to the Austrians annexing it. And when the Ottoman government paid huge amounts to uh, Bosnian Muslims to move to northern Macedonia, uh, a place where at the time few Muslims lived. Um, it also happened to be a place that had been kind of simmering in a low-scale guerrilla war for almost a decade at that point. I like the way you talk, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we like to keep our guerrilla war at a low simmer. Uh, simmer. Never that's bring it up get, to a boil. Like, yeah, you don't want a foamy guerrilla war. <laughs> oh. um, now, by 1911, the Albanians in the area rose up against the government, and to the shock of the Ottomans... Uh, the Albanians who were overwhelmingly Muslim who had been moved into the area and they figured that they would still be cool with them, then joined forces with the Muslims from Bosnia and decided to throw in with their new uh, non-Muslim Albanian friends to all join the rebellion together. Uh, like, that's good. Interfaith <sighs> dialogue, baby. Yeah, con- congratulations. You accidentally did a, a, a unity, uh, but while own- you like own themselves, which is incredible. Um, now, this is around the same time that the Ottomans fought another war against Italy and lost, uh, meaning that in one year they'd gotten their shit stomped in by some Albanian rebels, as well as one of the worst armies in Europe that was not already part of the Ottoman Empire. Um, now, there, like sometimes when you talk about European uh, military history, people leave out the Ottomans. So like if you consider the Ottomans part of Europe, which you do at this point, there's no way around right. that just right. because they're you know, a uh, uh, a mix different of color. different races <laughs> that are not white does not mean they're not Europe, the part of Europe. Because remember, this is the, their empire extends into Bulgaria and Greece and, uh, and Eastern Europe at this point as well. Um, Italy outside of the Ottoman Empire, worst army in Europe. Um, something that would continue for a whole other world war. Um, so with the Ottomans at their most pathetic, the various Balkan states saw an opening and they formed the Balkan League, a quadruple alliance of Greece, Bulgaria, Serbia, and Montenegro. Uh-oh. Uh, now, your league and international <laughs> relations, I just sort of panic. I will say this league which was much more useful than the League of Nations, who will also make a guest appearance during this episode. Um, now, this league had the sole goal of breaking the Ottoman Empire's grasp on the east, so, of course, the Russian Empire slid in and offered people as many guns as they could hold to shoot some Turks to make the whole thing easier for them. Because remember, this is very much in the era of constant 
uh, Russo-Turkish wars that would eventually turn into World right, War right. One, where they'd both collapse. Um, now, talked about that in um, Charge of the Light Brigade. Sure did. Now, this blew up uh, into the First Balkans War of 1912, which would have been the most destructive war in the history of the Ottoman Empire if it wasn't for a little guy called World War I waiting in the wings in a couple of years. Um, the combined force of the Balkan states, supported by a large amount of Italian volunteers for some reason, and Russian money, oh boy, steamrolled the Ottoman army. I love this weird rivalry of Italy. Like, I get it because the Turks would have been on their southern border. But like this weird rivalry between Italian, like Italy and Turkey, effectively, I like that. I don't know why, but I like that. And it was like a lot of it has to, and we'll talk about this in a future episode. I have planned um, a lot of the areas in the Balkans that the Turks controlled, Italy considered theirs. Oh, okay. That so it, it's it's more of a like, yeah, let's fuck this up because it's a lot easier to take like Albania and Bulgaria, and, th- and then it is to invade the Ottoman Empire, right? Um. But sure. uh, the Ottoman army at this point was so terrible, they attempted to fight a war even before it fully mobilized. So despite being far larger than their enemy, they managed to be outnumbered in every battle they fought. Um, they still this had- is the 78th eager, beager, eager, eager beavers ready for <laughs> war. <laughs> yeah, it's like throw every conscript in the area. Don't bother to mobilize anybody. Uh, I mean, it, it's. We, we talked about this during the Battle of Sarakamish. We've talked about this so many times before. It's like, no communication, no logistical system, no medical system, no supply system. It was all just kind of like they'll figure it out as they go. Um, and but like quite literally, there was no medical system, so this meant that there were no doctors sent to the front line, really. Um, which led to one of the most horrifically That's ghastly. Oh no! Yeah, it, like it led to one of the most horrifically one-sided result of wounded soldiers I had ever fucking seen. Like if you got wounded in the Turkish army during this war, statistically you will die. Uh, <laughs> it's any wound really if it required you go to a hospital you were probably not leaving that hospital because the hospital is more of a, a warehouse for the dying there was no treatment there um, and a German officer since this is a point of um, well, we talked about this as well the Germans were heavily influencing the Ottoman uh, attempted modernization of their military Um, And a German officer who was tasked with helping the Ottomans during this time said that most of the soldiers in the army weren't even sure how to fire a rifle. Um, So it's not good. Um, It's a bad look if you happen to be an empire. Why does my helmet just say cannon fodder? Oh, that's cute. You think they had helmets. Um, I mean, besides the fact that like helmets wouldn't become um, uh, common until about midway through World War One, the Ottomans never truly adopted them. Um, now, by the end of all of this, the Ottomans lost 80% of their European holdings and a full 69% nice of their European bad, population. Right? Yes, it's bad. It's real bad. Like, if, like I said, if it wasn't for World War I in like three years, that would entirely collapse the empire. This is the, one of the worst defeats in, in military history in general. Uh, like it's, it's hard to find a country that's lost so much territory. Yeah, that's insane. And still exists at the end of it. Right. Uh, with the Ottomans defeated, the League divided up their spoils of war. And, of course, immediately began fucking hating one another. <laughs> Remember, this is the common um, uh, uh, fuck that guy. The unifying theory of fuck that guy we always talk about. Without the common enemy of the Turks... All of these guys fucking hated one another. And the reason for this was an ethnic hatred, like a lot of people like to say, though, obviously, over time, these things would form. 
Um, the reason for this was the Treaty of London. And now, because it, the Treaty of London declared Albania an independent state, and the territory that would become this state was occupied and wanted by both Greece and Serbia, who had no intention. Hell yeah, buddy. <laughs> now, they had no intention of creating an Albania. They both wanted this for themselves. Now, the creation of Albania was mostly pushed by Austria, who wanted to counter any kind of Serbian expansion. Like a buffer state? Yes. Okay. Now, this is Austria-Hungary, an empire that right. still exists. And remember who they end up fighting throughout World War One. So, yeah, it, they want now, obviously, I'm not taking anything away from Albania at, at all. I'm just talking about the attitude that they had at the time is that Albania should exist as a buffer state. Now, this became a little bit of a problem because nobody in the league that fought the war, Austria, not part of the war, wanted Albania to exist. <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. Other, uh-huh. other than the Albanians, uh, and even then, only some of them. Uh, this is a hard thing to, to parse, but not Albanians consider like Albania a thing. Like, not Did you say Albanians, uh, Albanians. Albanians. Yeah, it's not a compound Albanians. word. Not all <laughs> Albanians can uh, consider Albania to be a, a legitimate thing, right? Um, to get my outdoors kit from Al- Albania. Yeah. <laughs> it, People are not monoliths, is what I'm trying to say. Now, yeah, I'm just being difficult about it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, meanwhile, the territories of the northern and southern Macedonia and western Thrace were wanted by everyone, but particularly Bulgaria. The treaty ended with nobody agreeing on, on any kind of border demarcations whatsoever and everyone threatening to kill one another over them. Two days after the treaty was signed, Greece and Serbia signed a secret defensive alliance with one another because they didn't trust Bulgaria. And then a month after that, Bulgaria sparked a war with pretty much all of Europe that honestly, somehow through the, the grace of, I guess, Germany not getting involved, did not start World War I. <laughs> wow. Go on. And with that, I, th- I believe it's time for another cursed content. Um now, this is uh, uh, from Bosun Rider? I don't know. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Wake up. The only religion for Albanians is Albania. <laughs> did you say religion? Yes, I sure did. <laughs> now, Bulgaria started its war against Serbia and Greece, with, which would then eventually rope in the rest of the league all against Bulgaria. Uh, now, then Romania invaded, and then the Ottomans, seeing that Bulgaria was getting its fucking teeth kicked in, joined in as well as one giant fuck you. Now, Bulgaria was able to hold Not on cool, for a, about a month uh, without uh, before, you know, finally like, all right, all right, fine, we'll stop. Sure. Um, now, this caused them to give up pretty much all of the lands they had just won in the first Balkans War a month or two months before. Oh, so, man. <laughs> Can you imagine going to your landlord and being like, listen, you're not going to believe this, but I need a refund on rent. <laughs> it, it, it's like um, uh, going to buy a car and then the, like paying the money and then having the, the, the used car dealer show up at your house, punch you in the throat and take it back. Ask me about my Wednesday, Joe. <laughs> now, just to clue you in how terrible these wars were for the region, since I know I'm glossing over them a fair amount. 
There is an entire Wikipedia article dedicated to just the list of places that were burned down during the First and Second Balkans Wars. Jesus, fuck. Yeah, it is not a friendly war that is fought. Friendly war. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, this shit is still not over. Then World War I kicked off as just about as soon as the Second Balkans War ended with Bulgaria desperate to retake the lands they had just lost threw in the hat with the Germans because the rest of the Balkans joined um, the uh, the British and French. So right. this meant, once again, the entire Balkans was a raid against Bulgaria. <laughs> oh, these poor bastards. Jesus. Oh, I guess they kind of deserve it. No. Yeah. Now, if you know how World War I ends, you know that the German side loses, which included... Short does. Which again included Bulgaria. <laughs> and they lost even more territory this time. <laughs> Sorry about that. So they've now fought three wars in quick succession, with two of them ending with them getting their absolute shit kicked in and losing more of Bulgaria. You don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, like it, it's literally the the scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's like nothing but a flesh wound is it, but it's like this it's, bloody it's stump. A flesh wound. Yeah, I have you right where I want cap- you. Sophia doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> Sophia is a smoldering pile of wreckage with one king sitting in the middle of it. Guys. Guys, 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 I'm not going to lie. I like our chances on round three. Um, <laughs> I now, know the situation looks bleak, but <laughs> as you are legally prohibited from leaving here, where are you going to go? Everywhere that's not where you're currently standing isn't <laughs> Bulgaria anymore. Now, at the end of World War One, the Balkan state that benefited the most from all of this was definitely Greece. Now, I know there's oh, probably no. some Greece Greeks that will say that they're not a Balkan state. I'm yes, just you saying Shut up. you ally with Balkan states an awful lot. Call yourself whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> yes, you are. Shut up. As someone who is connected to a country that people think is generally Eastern Europe, I understand why people get confused. Um, now, Greece controlled uh, Western Thrace, which ended uh, Bulgaria's direct access to the Aegean Sea, which was uh, very, very, very important to them, as you can imagine. Right. This made Bulgaria even more mad with certain camps within the government that they didn't need a world war. They didn't need World War One to end. Or they didn't need the Second Balkans War to end. They're doing just fine, and they would eventually retake these territories. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The Bulgarians believed this. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like the. I like the confidence. It's the military strategy from that uh, episode of The Simpsons where Homer got punched in the face until his opponent got tired. <laughs> it's like being down 57 nothing at halftime and being like, this game ain't over. Yeah, let's try an onside kick, guys. I, I like this idea. Fuck um, it. <laughs> uh, soon, small Bulgarian army units are raiding over the border into Greece. As well, uh, into Greece. Into Greece. Grace. <laughs> into Greece. Uh, I sent my brains somehow molded together Thrace and Greece, uh, which I believe which I think makes me a Greek irredentist now. I'm not really sure. Uh, but they were also raiding into the kingdom of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes, one of the worst nations ever named in human history. Uh, and then also they would, it says on the tin, I guess. And then they would just rename themselves Yugoslavia within a couple of years because it rolls off the tongue a little better. Um, it's also led to Bulgaria forming guerrilla uh, movements within Thrace itself. Um, now, some of these formed organically. But Bulgaria and Bulgarian money and weapons had a lot to do with the uh, formation of the the internal Thracian revolutionary organization or the ITRO. 
as well as another one, the Internal Macedonian Revolutionary Organization, or the IMRO. Um, okay. Now, the Thracian one had actually existed for quite some time, but the Macedonian one was pretty much the complete creation of the Bulgarians. Um, Bulgarian citizens, soldiers, and guns flowed into the groups that would then be used against the Greeks. Uh, and then, you know, the Bulgarians who were, you know, still suffering and recovering from the multiple wounds from the last couple wars could just be like, hey, we don't we don't know these people. Um, you know, how, how one does with proxy wars and groups. Uh, the Greeks then began to do the same thing, though these weren't just military units either. At various points, just some Greeks and some Bulgarians who were not just even bearing out. weapons would just cross the border and steal shit from neighboring villages. <laughs> I like that. I mean, that's bad, but like... Oh, that's pretty funny, to be honest with you. Just some guy named, like, I don't know, Papados kicking open your door and stealing your chickens and shit. And giving you <laughs> you <laughs> giving saw that Papados came for me in the night. Ha-ha! Running Windex on their wounds as they escape. <laughs> uh, now, this was pretty much the attitude that went on since the end of World War One, And we're now in the 1920s, meaning that there'd been some years of this shit going on. And that is when Greece had an idea. There can't be any Bulgarian revolutionaries if we simply get rid of all the Bulgarians. Uh, that sounds like genocide to me, Joe. I believe uh, one uh, Holocaust uh, book that I read called this The Devil's Arithmetic, uh, which fits uh, pretty well. Um, That's fair. They decided to forcefully expel them across the border back into Bulgaria. Now, this isn't technically a genocide. I'm not going to go into it a whole lot, uh, but... Uh, it feels like a preview of a genocide, really. It definitely is, yeah. I mean, on a long enough timeline, this has turned into one. Um, it, it's certainly a forced expulsion and relocation. <laughs> night. Yeah, it, it's, it's a crime against humanity, that is for certain. Uh, now, of course, this turned into a full-on rebellion from the Bulgarians who had been living there for generations and didn't want to fucking leave their backyards. Uh, and, you know, Bulgaria, right across the border, that was completely open due to insecurity, then flooded them with weapons, guns, and also soldiers to help. Because at this point, they hadn't learned their lesson. <laughs> like, and this is an open secret. Like, everybody knows Bulgaria is doing this. Like, to the point that sure. Greece and, uh, and Yugoslavia forced them to sign the Treaty of Nice, um, which Treaty was... Nice? Nice, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. Spelled nice, but it's not yeah, very, yeah. not very it's, nice. It's not that great. You can yeah. skip it. Um, it's much prettier. Now, uh, this is their, them effectively forcing the Bulgarians who had gotten themselves up to this shit about neck level here to promise their neighbors they would stop letting rebel groups plan shit on their side of the border and they would clamp down on them. Um, now, when the Bulgarians actually sent in the military to arrest these guys, a member of the IRMO killed the Bulgarian prime minister. <laughs> Uh-oh. We call this the classic Uno reverse card. Uh, like, and not only that, the Bulgarians were then like uh, pretty much turned off from this whole idea of trying to enforce the law on these people, mostly because these groups were now stronger than the Bulgarian military. And I don't mean this as like a knock against the Bulgarian military, but... If you had like literally stronger than, yeah, I mean, if you had noticed from the last thirty minutes of podcast, they weren't exactly in fighting shape anymore. Um, right. A- a- after the Bulgarians decided to get their shit kicked in once again, this time by their own rebel groups, 
Uh, it was just another that's tough man. That's yeah. a tough way to go. <laughs> like at this point, like the minister of defense of Bulgaria is like, I don't know what you want from me anymore, guys. <laughs> like I've tried Stop shooting at me. <laughs> Please. Can we just not do war? Like not everybody can be good at knitting. Maybe we're just not good at war. <laughs> um, you know, with another loss in the column, they pretty much ceded the entire border region of Prin Ma- uh, Pirin Macedonia, which include the Petric district uh, of the border over to the rebels. Um, it, like this, they pretty much effectively stopped governing it. Uh, oh they lacked the uh, the security apparatus to actually enforce themselves uh, over the rebels uh, who use once again use this entire region as a place to launch border attacks because that's what started this whole thing in the first place right right now there was a change in the bulgarian government uh around the same time because remember the prime prime minister (laughs) just got got uh who you know they came to power and they're pretty right wing um some people call them proto-fascist um but uh the hardcore nationalists you're a dentist so they kind of gave like the wink nudge approval uh, for for this arrangement. Also, it was a better way. This is my opinion. Now, this is now me. Uh, you know, not reading from my sources. This is the way they make the government feel much better about the idea they lost control of a large swath of their country. <laughs> yeah, that's all unfair. Yeah, and like I get it. Like sometimes you just gotta, you know, self care. You know, right? Yeah, that's what this is. The Bulgarian institutional self care. Small bean who lost a genocide. Yeah, it's more of a war, a uh, series uh, you know. of wars. Uh, now, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> this is uh, another solid cursed comment. Uh, this is from uh, someone that has uh, uh, a name I can't pronounce, but their avatar is, uh, I believe, Ray Ayanami of Neon Genesis Evangelion fame. Oh, wow. And someone says, ah, the Balkans, home. And someone replies, "Home, the Balkans is not is not Asia, kid. Go back to Japan or North Korea." What? <laughs> what? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Outstanding. Um, <laughs> now Ooh, that is that that is spicy. Now, strangely enough, another supporter of the IRMO was uh, was Benito Mussolini, um, because. <sighs> We can't make it a oh, whole damn. ass episode without talking about Nazis or fascists in some fascists way. Fascists right? are the fucking worst, man. Uh, yeah, this time we get to talk uh, about the, the the cartoon version of fascism, which is Mussolini, because while he may have revolutionized the concept of a fascist government, he was by far the worst at it. Um, he had taken a, he had taken power in 1922. Um, and he was not supporting the IRMO against um, uh, Serbia, Greece, and Yugoslavia because he actually supported Bulgaria. He uh, one of the things that he had uh, planned was a restoring of the Roman Empire, right? Uh, which right. Uh, sounds as dumb as it ended up being. I promise. Um, and he thought destabilization efforts in this entire region were in his best interest, which they were if he was competent using the military in any capacity, did, which he was did not. Did they follow this pattern in like Ethiopia, Libya, all that? I don't really um, know enough about the Italians in North Africa. Now, in in Ethiopia, uh, he just straight up invaded them. Uh, he he attempted right, okay. to turn... I wasn't sure certain- if there was like a precursor or something. Well, there was a whole first Italo-Ethiopian war before Mussolini came to power, which ended in the Italians uh, legendarily getting their shit kicked in. Um, I'm so surprised that that happened. 
Yeah, and during the second uh, Italo-Ethiopian War, Mussolini uh, leveled the playing field by mustard gassing the shit out of Ethiopia. That seems cheap. Yeah, and he still, uh, even then, barely won. Uh, <laughs> see, this is why I... You know what? No, I'm not going to say what nationality I don't like. The Italians. <laughs> I don't like Italians. Do I have I, a few- uh, do I have a future series for you? Oh, uh, thank God. <laughs> uh, I uh, I come by. So my great uncle was killed in action at Anzio. And my grandmother never let that go and blamed the Italians. And for the rest of her days, just hated Italians. Despite the fact that he would have been killed by Nazis. Because at that point, the Italians had switched sides. Which my dad like always pointed out there. She was like, "Don't care. Like hate Italians." <laughs> now I'm dating and probably gonna marry uh, a girl who is half Italian. Uh, so. That's best you tell her she's Sicilian. That's a that, that's an easy cop out. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna get too far into the the Mussolini woods here because I, like I said, I have an entire series <laughs> planned for that. Uh, thankfully, the Mussolini woods would actually be quite short. You could see right over them. Um, but yeah, he he attempted to, and he and he did help the IRMO quite quite a bit. Uh, just like you know, he ended up uh, turning his support to the Spanish Civil War into a full on military effort um, for the same reason. Like he he right. his his whole goal in the Spanish Civil War is to actually turn Spain into a puppet government. Um, and like when the war was over, he told uh, like uh, Francisco Franco was like, so I'm gonna keep a couple thousand Italian soldiers stationary. And Franco's like, no, fuck off. And then Mussolini had to go home. <laughs> Which, like, fuck Franco, but hilarious. That's <laughs> Even other fascists hated Mussolini. But- I, I love the idea of, like, all right, we're all, like, we're all friends. We're all fascists. And some guys, some Franco's just like, nah, no, not here. This is sovereign <laughs> Spanish soil. Eat a dick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he ended up pretty much doing the same thing for Hitler too. Like, which is, I mean, again, fuck him, but also it's 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 funny. It's um, it's a hell of a thing to hear fuck Hitler, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like sometimes, I know you're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, ah, uh, man, I don't like you, but also fuck. Like, I guess Franco was a broke ass Franco's right one day a week or whatever. Um, yeah, that's fucking funny, dude. Now it was 1925, so things have been going this way on the border for around a decade. Uh Uh-oh. Shootings across the border were an almost everyday occurrence. Um, There was like people would break the border line, shoot one another, and run back home. Um, And that's just kind of the new normal in this situation. Just trying to get to work. (laughs) Yeah. Dodging bullets. Like, dude. Just going to my I, goddamn cornfield and some Greek or Bulgarian takes a shot at my head. Like, fuck off. I'm fucking farming. <laughs> oh, you, so you support Italian supremacy in the Balkans is what I'm hearing. I don't support no. Italian supremacy of anything. Not even yeah, Italy. Hard, hard <laughs> um, now Dude, it's it, Ethiopia. Fair that's fair. right. Ah, I wouldn't say Ethiopia right about now. Things are going oh, so that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, he signed a peace deal with Eritrea, and now things are bad. You know, a uh, shout out to uh, the prime minister of Ethiopia, who, much like our own former president Obama, was awarded the uh, the Nobel Peace Prize and then bombed the shit out of civilians. So maybe don't yeah, give but at that least prize we didn't do it to our own civilians. Uh, actually, we did. Uh, Obama drone striked American citizens in in Yemen. Oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, you know, maybe stop handing out the Nobel Prize to uh, heads of state. I warm it on, on, on our soil before you all get mad at me in the comments. That's true. No, you're right. You're right. He did not specifically use drones for that in, in the United States. Um, but then on October 18th, 1925. Two days before my birthday. Ooh. Uh, so happy early birthday. Joe, it's um, November. <laughs> I meant I meant in 1925. Come out like, you like unborn bitch. You're not even alive yet. Uh, oh dear. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll interrupt you a little less. Go on, Joe. <laughs> a Greek border guard whose name is lost to history was manning a post on the Demir Kapu Pass, which is uh, on the side of the border where it was controlled by the IRMO, and uh, his watchdog got away from him. You know, running off and doing dog things. The dog didn't enlist in the military. He was drafted. This job fucking sucks. But the soldier, not wanting to get in trouble, probably, for losing his dog, ran off after him. Uh And in doing so, he crossed the Bulgarian side of the border, Uh (laughs) leading to him getting shot and wounded. Um, He fell to the ground, and both sides opened fire on one another as just a normal, everyday uh, explosion of hate or whatever. Now... As things began to calm down, there were no other casualties, and the Greeks realized what had caused it, and their man was still laying out in the middle of the street, bleeding out and screaming in pain. So, a Greek officer uh, picked up a white flag and was unarmed, and walked out onto the pass, being uh, uh, accompanied by another soldier to help him carry the wounded soldier back to the line. Now, this this had happened multiple times before, where officers had come forward with white flags to pick up the wounded. This was like Old timing, old timey, gentlemanly warfare, and you, you would see a lot of this during World War One, which a lot of the officers were probably veterans of, right? Right. Now the Bulgarians, probably finally seeing a battle they could win, shot the shot, shot the men they were carrying a white flag, killing three of them. Dick move, dick move. I thought you said there were only two guys. Uh, there's also the guy in the ground who was wounded. Oh, so they killed all three. Okay, yeah, yes. all right. Yeah, they shot two men under a white flag and shot a wounded guy who was on the ground. Wow, that is war crimes. That's bad. That's what we call a hat trick of dick moves. Um, now, it was hardly uncommon uh, for the decades-long odd border war for uh, you know people to be killed. Um, so this right. would not have really raised an eyebrow for anybody like this wouldn't have mattered. Right. But something had happened in Greece. Uh-oh. And that something was a few months before this incident with the stray dog. There had been a military coup on June 24th, which actually is my birthday, 1925. Happy, happy very early birthday, Joe. <laughs> General Theodoros Pongolos supported a, by a, a group of lo- a loyal military officers overthrew the president, a man whose name is so Greek, I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce. Y'all know who he is. The people who care know who he is. Right. Once in power, Pangalos was actually kind of a terrible leader, uh, as all generals are. Uh, sorry, officers, if you're listening. You're bad military leaders, worst political ones. Um, and Pangalos turned into a dictator so petty Emperor Bokasa would smile upon him. Oh, no. Uh, this included things like banning free speech and free press, as you know, is normal things for dictators, dictators to do, stuff. as well as legally mandating the length of women's skirts. No more than 30 centimeters off the ground, by the way, in case you're wondering. Hates freedom. Yeah, that's right. Free the knees. Free, no, free uh, the knees. <laughs> 
now, it soon became clear to everyone, to include the military, that support his rise to power, that maybe they threw their, uh, their dogs on the wrong side of this fight. Uh, and he became very unpopular, even amongst the inner circle of the Greek political world. So, Pangalos gripped onto this flare-up at the border to distract everyone, but mostly the military, because the military does, and this is going to sound weird to some people, the military likes fighting wars. It makes them look good. Assuming they can win them, I suppose. Assuming I wouldn't know what that's like. I was in the U.S. Army. We don't win wars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But like, yeah, like if you talk to any or if you look at any military dictatorship like Argentina comes to mind in the Falklands War, right? Like they were looking for a military right, basically victory. Basically, a big a PR exercise. Yeah, two bald men fighting over a comb, as it's as it's popularly known as. Um, and so Pangalos, being a military officer, is like, if I give these people military glory, I'll get off my ass, right? Sure. Now, the official version that made it to Greek newspapers at the time omitted the dog completely, which is unfortunate because he's my favorite character in the story. Um, now, a according. Yeah, that's right. Old <laughs> Flantos. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't think of many Greek names. I just know they all end in dos. Um, according to the press, <laughs> according to the press, some Bulgarian border guards stormed the Greek outpost for no reason whatsoever. It was during this raid that the Greek captain and one guard were apparently killed. They just skipped the third guy. Even in their propaganda, they, they, they downplayed it a little. Jesus. Uh, Bulgaria, probably sensing another ass kicking coming, expressed regret for the incident and said it was all a terrible misunderstanding. (laughs) (laughs) Please, we don't want any more of that smoke. Just don't just stop shooting at us. Uh, They proposed a Greco-Bulgarian commission to investigate the matter unilaterally. Now, of course, Pangalos gave the Bulgarians an ultimatum as people starting wars are wont to do. Sure. They had to punish those who were responsible, make an official apology, and pay two million French francs in compensation to the victim's family, which is a lot of fucking money. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. Uh, now, to make things even dumber, they gave them a 48-hour uh, window in order to comply with these demands, what? which is a <laughs> surefire way for diplomatic success. Come on, man. Give a chance. <laughs> that's the thing. He just wanted to fight a war. Like he's like, we win a war. I get to stay in power. And next, I don't know. I'll legislate the sleeves on your shirt. Uh, now <laughs> I'm drunk with power. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Bulgaria, who, like I reminded you before is controlled by something of a right wing shithead themselves told Greece to fuck off. Now, Bulgaria probably didn't assume what was going to happen next was actually going to happen next. Cause Greece, also wasn't exactly in a great place to fight a war. They probably just assumed that, well, we might be kind of weak right now, but we're stronger than Bulgaria. Also, they were banking on the fact that everyone else in the former Balkans League still fucking hated Bulgaria. So they reached out to Serbia and all their other bros to see if they want to get the band back together and beat the shit out of Bulgaria again. One more time, you guys. Stop throwing rocks at me. Yeah. Reunion tour, let's go! Uh, <laughs> and Serbia, you know, probably seeing how dumb this whole thing was, even for Greece, decided to sit this one out. Uh, but that didn't stop Pangalos, and he ordered a Greek, the Greek military to start shelling the Bulgarians, as well as sent an entire army corps across the border, which is pretty large formation. Sure. 
the Bulgarians not expecting things to escalate quite at, at such quite a dumb scale had not reinforced their side for an actual war. It was like just, you know, small border uh, emplacements. You would not consider this a fortified front in any stretch of the imagination. Right. Most Bulgarian forces decided, fuck this, and they simply evacuated without much of a fight, just giving the land over to the Greeks. Um, but like that's not what the Greeks wanted. They didn't want to storm in and take over Petrich, which is the town that they captured. They wanted to fight a war. So they began to rampage and loot and have parties and shit. Um, and they took time out of the day to start fucking with the local Macedonians, hoping to shoot some holes in their ideas of independence while they were on that what side the of the border. Dicks. <laughs> yeah, like, they're like, hey, we came here for a fight. Why the fuck are you backing down? Like, because we don't want to die anymore. Stop kicking me. <laughs> Please just take what's left of this house and leave us alone. <laughs> we're sorry about the dog. <laughs> But Greece ran into some problems. Now, they had just lost a war three years before with the, with the modern Turkish national movement, which would eventually turn into the modern Turkish Republic. And they didn't lose this war by a little bit either. It was something of a gigantic clusterfuck uh, that would impact them going all the way into World War II. It was pretty devastating. Right. And one of the main characteristics of that loss was a near total collapse of their logistical system. Weird how that keeps happening. Uh-oh. Which had not been reformed nor rebuilt at all prior to this battle or war, of, if you want to call it that. So sure. the Greek army, once again, outran their own supply line, despite the fact they just barely crossed over the border. Yeah, they love doing this. <laughs> Thinking this war was going to go further, like that Greece really did assume that this is going to be a full-on Third Balkans War. And so they dug their heels in and once again appealed to Serbia, who did agree, finally, to intervene on the side of Greece as long as they opened up a railroad corridor for Serbian use so they could access the Greek trade ports. This was kind of a shitty deal for the Greeks, but they also realized they... Needed maybe kind of Serbia. Yeah, they may be kind of fucked. Um, so they agreed, and this soon set the table for things to really pop off. And then Bulgaria did something that kind of surprised me. They called the League of Nations. Um, wow, those poor things. Now, it's important to remember here that Bulgaria had no fucking allies anymore. They had spent the last 20 fucking years fighting the entire region in one shape or another. Even Russia was like, you're on your own. Uh, <laughs> you know, at this point, they are balls deep in the Civil War. And the Civil War is actually pretty much over at this point, right? right. Uh, so, like, Bulgaria has no friends, so they appealed to the League of Nations. Mood. And what has to be the only time in the League of Nations' short and pitiful existence, they actually did something to stop a war. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, they demanded a ceasefire and a full Greek withdrawal, which is one thing. You can demand things all you want. Furthermore, they said Greece owned Bulgaria money for storming in and breaking all of their shit. Now, at this point, Greece accused the League of Nations of hypocrisy because a couple years before, Italy, led by Benito Mussolini, had invaded the island of Corfu in 1923, which Italy considered part of the reborn Roman Empire. Mm. Now, at this point, for reasons that are not entirely clear, nor do they make any sense. Uh, the League backed Italy in this situation. What? <laughs> and asked Greece to pay Italy reparations. 
after they pulled out. What? <laughs> now, this is mostly to appease Mussolini, who had some pretty, uh, yes, of course, pretty strong expansionist ideas. And remember, this is solidly in the mid twenties, all the way up until the mid thirties, where people were just desperate to avoid another large scale European war. Sure, okay. So it leads to them just constantly doing dumb shit. But Bulgaria, Serbia, and Greece aren't exactly major European powers, nor do they are, are they in any way. Uh, in any position to threaten the the European balance of power at this point. So the League of Nations is much more comfortable telling everybody to fuck off and go back home. Sure. Now, furthermore, which was actually kind of surprising, uh, the British said if the, uh, if the um, Greeks did not withdraw, they would join the war on the side of the Bulgarians. And they were also joined by the French and a few other members of the League of Nations, which is pretty surprising because when you see, like, for instance... Um, uh, the emperor of Ethiopia would eventually uh, beg the League of Nations for to get involved with the Italian invasion of his country, and the League of Nations like sent Italy a strongly worded letter. Sure, I mean obviously there's race at play here. There's the fact that's no in way, Europe. Dude. The fact that's in Europe is in play here. Nobody gives a fuck about a non-colonized area of Africa. There's a lot at play here, but at this point, the League of Nations actually did something. Um, now, obviously, Italy would eventually leave, leave the League of Nations over shit like this, but that actually worked. The Greeks withdrew, and they actually did pay reparations. Um, over the extent of the 10-day-long conflict, which killed around 100 people, most of the soldiers that died were Greeks. Most of the mm. people that died were Bulgarians. Right, because they're busy rampaging their way yes. through. Because most of the Bulgarians killed were civilians. Because the Bulgarian military is like, we're 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 gonna stay back here, uh, and you guys just do your thing. See ya. Uh, good luck at camp. Yeah, we'll see you guys in the next war. Um, but this actually ruined Pangalos's reputation. He didn't win a battle. He got uh, like cutted out of Bulgaria by the League of Nations. He he ruined his reputation as a strongman, which is like the reputation you need if you're going to run a military dictatorship. The military needs to be strong, and the Greek military completely shit the bed. So within like a couple months, he was kicked out of power by the same group of officers that had put him there in the first place, replacing him with someone else. Yeah. Now, uh, this has nothing to do with anything. But if Pongolos wasn't a big enough asshole, when Greek, uh, when Greece eventually capitulated to the Nazis, um, I know it's a much longer story than that. I have an entire series planned for the for the uh, Italio and uh, German uh, invasion of Greece. I promise, I'll go into it much further. But when Greece capitulated, he ended up turning sides and working for the Nazis. Uh, he became close friends with the psychotic SS officers who were really bad in Greece and helped set up like mm-hmm. they're called, I believe, the security battalions who literally swore allegiance to Adolf Hitler in Greece and were mostly just a roving death squad. Um, And he was very, very nearly the prime minister of the Greek Nazi puppet state. So Pongolos is a fucking dick. Now, the dog was unfortunately never heard from again. We assume that he he escaped to safety away from constant warfare. He made it to possibly the Isle of Dogs in the UK, which without looking into it, I assume is an island-wide sanctuary for dogs. (laughs) Uh, We will not be uh, taking any questions at this time. I will not. Um, Now, in closing, um, 
I will uh, end with one more cursed comment, and then we will go into our question from the Legion. Um, and this was, yes. what is the problem to be Serbian? We are all human beings. This is the problem. They are not. <laughs> God, yeah, I was waiting. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is the, I, I didn't talk to this guy before using the, the cursed bulk and YouTube comment page on Twitter. It's, it's com- comical. Uh, I highly recommend everybody read. There's a lot more worse ones on there that I don't find funny. Uh, but I right. encourage everybody to check it out. Now, Liam, yeah, we fun. do a thing on this podcast called Questions from the Legion. Since when, Joe? Uh, actually, not that long ago we started this. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, but if you'd like to um, ask a question to the Legion, donate uh, a dollar to the show. Um, ask us through pa- Patreon, th- through Discord, through DMs, email. Um, strap a letter to a Greek border agent and send him across the border into Bulgaria, and I will read it on air. Um, now, this one is, what was your first car like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first car. Was a 1995 Volvo 850R wagon. Outstanding. We never got the canary yellow in the United States, so I re- I found basically a close enough color, repainted it canary yellow. And that thing was was amazing. Uh, it had an engine co-developed with Porsche, uh, and it tricked all my friends' parents into thinking it was safe. It was not. <laughs> Cannot emphasize enough how unsafe that car was. Mine was also freakishly unsafe. So my first car was, I believe, a 1988 Crown Vic that my mom bought from a police auction, like true Detroiters. Yeah. Um, It had electrical problems, uh, and it was uh, one of those Crown Vics had bench seats. Hell yeah, dude. Um, and the, f- the bolts on the bench seat were broken. So every time I hit the gas and remember these, these things have fucking huge engines in their land yachts, right? The whole bench seat would rock back. Um, nice. <laughs> if I used turn signals, every light in the cab, uh, like on my dashboard would blink. <laughs> <laughs> and there were just were like weird unknown stains on the seat, uh, that came with it, which were like almost certainly a mixture of cum and blood. <laughs> Been there, been there. Uh, but I you think my mom is. spent a grand total of like two hundred, three hundred dollars on this piece of shit. Um, How yeah. long did you have it for? Uh, like two or three years. Not bad. Yeah, I couldn't afford anything else. Uh, I I drove it to uh, like I, I ended up enlisting in the army, and I got my first duty station or my first place of duty was you know, Fort Knox. So that was within feasibly driving distance, right? Right. Um, so I, I drove it to Kentucky from Detroit, which is like four or five hours. That is a brave drive. Um, and, uh, it, it, as soon as I crossed the gate into Fort Knox, the car broke down and then I left it there and it was towed <laughs> and I never saw like, it I don't, again. Need it, I don't need it anymore. See you boys. <laughs> yeah. I literally abandoned it on the other side of the gate. Um, that's fucking funny, but, uh, Liam, thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, no. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for supporting the show. Check out the Teespring store. I remember to say it this time. Yay! I put new designs on that bitch. Check them out. Um, nice. And until next time, don't uh, don't invade Bulgaria, I guess. Yeah, invade Bulgaria if you know you're going to win. So I guess invade Bulgaria. Don't invade Bulgaria. <laughs>